Hello, and welcome to the More Than Moves podcast, where we explore all the different things that we can do together as an elders quorum beyond helping people move. Today, I'm sitting down with Daniel Bennett. The Bennetts are a new family in our ward, and so we're excited to have them with us. And so, Daniel, just to get us going here, since most people probably don't know you very well, uh, why don't you just give us a brief introduction? Yeah, sure thing. Um, So I'm Daniel Bennett. I uh, moved into the ward just a couple of months ago. Uh, I moved in with my wife, Elizabeth, and our daughter, Mizell, who is two years old now. We're expecting our second child in May of this year, and we're just excited to be here. Uh, I do uh, some consulting work uh, for lawsuits. I'm an economist by training and by trade. And uh, Elizabeth works at Stanford University. She does fundraising for their undergraduate scholarships. And where'd you grow up? I grew up in Salt Lake City uh, on the avenues for people who are familiar with Utah. We're just about 10 minutes north of the the temple. And I'm sure you don't have lots of spare time with a two-year-old at home and uh, the demands of work and so on. But when you do have some time to yourself, what kinds of things do you enjoy doing? I uh, love reading. So in my free time recently, I've been focused a lot on getting through some fun fantasy books. I've uh, devoured the Wheel of Time series by uh, Robert Jordan and Brandon Sanderson. And Brandon Sanderson is is a great author, so I've I've read basically everything he's published. But um, there are other um, authors that I've gotten pretty interested in recently as well. I've I've started to get kind of interested in self-published work. And so uh, an author in in that kind of category that I like a lot is named Will White. He writes series that have an Asian influence, which is also kind of interesting to me. I served a mission in Korea and got interested in kind of Asian style stories as well from that experience. And um, it's been a lot of fun to kind of branch out from the traditional publishing world to give authors who don't kind of have the same support some interest and attention as well. And that's been a cool experience for me. And how did you get interested in this kind of, uh, the, the more recent self-published work, I think is an interesting twist, the, the, with respect to kind of fantasy books in general and these particular authors, are these ones that you've always enjoyed or how has your interest in reading kind of evolved over the years? Oh, it, it's 100% because I'm cheap. Self-published <laughs> stuff is inexpensive and so I don't feel bad about dropping $2 on my you know, Kindle account to pick up a self-published book. Um, and, you know, I will say you'll find a, a wide variation in quality by doing that. But occasionally you find real gems that are interesting and kind of fun. And I, I think that the decentralization is is a good thing in some ways because it gives more people a chance to try something that they otherwise might not have. And some people have interesting stories to tell that for whatever reason might not get picked up by a publisher. And publishers have to worry a lot about profit maximization. I think a lot of independent people can just care about a story they want to tell. And even though they might not tell it as well as someone who has an editor who helped them, you know, cut fluff or, or, you know, make the writing as punchy and as dramatic as possible, I think you still find some great stuff that's interesting and fun. And what types of characters or types of situations do you tend to gravitate towards in, in the books that you read? I like a lot of variation in what I read. Um... But I will say one of my favorite tropes is has got to be the hero's journey from kind of farm boy to, uh, I guess, eventual hero or savior. I guess it depends on the story. I, in The Wheel of Time, the, the story goes from 
someone who's a farm boy to being the most powerful person in the world in a, in a literal and kind of figurative sense, you know, politically and with kind of magic going on. And so that's that's like a fun and interesting story, I think. And it's a trope that's done so much that it could be very tired. But when it's done well, it's really nice and really kind of cool. And do you listen to audiobooks at all or is it more uh, just reading? I do listen to audiobooks. Uh, I, I have a 12-mile bike ride in the morning to get to work. And uh, I, I listen... I you know put one earphone in and listen to audiobooks while I'm while I'm writing. I jeez, the last audiobook I listened to um while writing was a book called Project Hail Mary by Andy Weir and he and that is a really great book. It's science fiction, it's not fantasy although related obviously. But that was a fantastic book as well. I I don't want to say anything about it because it's the kind of book where the mystery starts immediately and any information that I give you would almost be a spoiler but i highly recommend it even if you're not traditionally into maybe science fiction or fantasy as much that is a fantastic book and you just mentioned the 12 mile bike ride to work so are you an avid biker as well you know i i used to be um really into it about seven years ago when i started graduate school i was biking you know 100 miles a week and getting uh getting a lot of good climbing in i like to go up hills on my bike I find that rewarding for some reason and you know in recent years you get busy and you can do it less and less but um, after the pandemic hit and I worked remotely for a long time I really didn't have a chance to bike but now moving into this ward is an opportunity to (laughs) exercise and get out there so I've been doing it a little bit more now mostly for just transportation but on Saturdays when I can I get out and do a little ride as well and you you mentioned climbing hills and so on do you have favorite rides or favorite places to go uh, when you bike in this area Uh, absolutely around here my favorite ride is to go to uh, Monte Moody just go up the canyon past Foothill College there's this pretty little um, a farm and I think that's it's a service opportunity I think that it's partially maintained by the, the county and they have classes for kids to interact with farm animals and do some, um, you know, and do some gardening and planting style activities as well. But it just is a beautiful view as you ride past on your bike. And then it snakes up and uh, has a couple of switchbacks to get to Old Page Mill. And so it connects to that pretty well-known route that um, will take you up the canyon even further or back down if you're like me and <laughs> out of shape and need some some practice before you do the really long bike rides (laughs) and have you made any types of enhancements to your bike or anything to kind of tweak it out if you will i've I've made some safety adjustments uh at my wife's request i uh i've finally put some lights on it so that i don't get hit by anybody while i'm riding to and from work kind of early in the morning or late at night but no i'm pretty my, my bike is uh eight years old it's uh kind of an odd frame now I, I took it in recently to get t- tuned up and the and the guy who tuned it up was like oh this is a weird bike <laughs> but it works for me and i like it a lot so I'm, I'm happy to have it any family bike rides do you ever go out with your wife and your daughter yeah my wife not as much um but my daughter i recently bought a trailer that you can hitch on to the back of it and she is obsessed with it she loves it <laughs> she loves it when, when we can put her in it put her in it and then take rides uh recently I think one of the reasons she's liked it so much is because we've been going on rides to a couple of the parks in the area, which are fantastic. I'm sure everybody in the ward knows them better than I, but um, there's a great park on Portland 
that we've been going to, and she just loves going down the slides over and over again and being silly. They have this company that built the jungle gym at that park, uh, must have built them in a couple of places, but they've got little steering wheels. And she, nothing gives her more joy than running up to the steering wheel and pretending she's going as fast as she can and then stopping to fix the engine. <laughs> and so, you know, we'll pretend to have hammers or screwdrivers or whatever um, tool she can think of and fix it together. And it's just been a blast. I really enjoyed it. And she does too. And you mentioned to me earlier, uh, before we were getting going here, that uh, you have an interest in ballroom dancing as well. And uh, I know that my wife and I took some classes when we were newlyweds. Some people take them, you know, kind of leading up to that first dance, you know, at their wedding or their reception or something like that. But how did you, at what point in your life did you get interested in ballroom dance and what, what have you done in that area? Sure. So I started ballroom dancing um, in high school. I had a crush on a girl who asked me to start dancing and I thought this was a perfect opportunity to get an in. And so I said, sure. Um, and, you know, started dancing. Things didn't work out with her, but I liked it a lot. And so I kept dancing, even though we, we never really, yeah, we never went any further than going on a date or two. After high school, I went to BYU, and BYU has a very well-known ballroom dance program. And so I was able to perform and compete with their competitive team. It was a really neat opportunity. I got to tour in England and uh, Scotland and Wales, competing in the British National Championships while we were there. Our team did very well. And then we also toured Vietnam and uh, Thailand in a different year, which was also really cool, one of my favorite travel experiences. And around the U.S. as well, we did a number of tours to California and a little bit further east. We went to Illinois and some of the surrounding states and did some time in Nauvoo and other things like that. It was it was a really great experience. I made great friends in addition to uh, being able to get a dance scholarship, which you know helped financially, and it was great for my mental health and exercise. It was wonderful. And what kinds of ballroom dance uh, were you doing in terms of the different types of dance? Yeah, uh, so ballroom dance competitively is separated into um, what they call the ballroom or standard dances, which are kind of European style, uh, waltz, tango, which is actually Argentinian, but anyway, waltz, tango, foxtrot, quickstep, and the Viennese waltz, in which, you know, are, are defined among other things as being dances in which you're always in position with your partner. So the man always has his hand on the lady's back and uh, holding the lady's other hand in his. Uh, the other classification of five dances is for Latin dances, which primarily come from Cuba and other parts of South America, which is cha-cha, samba, rumba, oh my gosh, I haven't thought about this in so long, jive, which is an American dance, cha-cha, samba, rumba, jive, and, oh, paso doble. Um, so I, I competed on our, on our Latin team, uh, which meant that most of my competitive time was spent doing those five Latin dances. But I also had great training in uh, the standard ballroom dances, and so I, um, I was our backup on the team for the ballroom for the ballroom dancers so if somebody got injured or was sick which happened once somebody had a baby they were fine but i got to um perform for a big audience in a in a really kind of a high stakes situation it was kind of nuts but on with our ballroom team as well which was one of the high highlights high points of my career there too one of my wife's favorite movies is actually strictly ballroom <laughs> i don't know if you've ever seen that movie or have any thoughts on it but uh 
fantastic movie. <laughs> so much fun. <laughs> um, the dancing is a little bit uh, fanciful. <laughs> I guess that's maybe the wrong term. It's great dancing. Like they're they're very talented dancers, but it's it's not competitive ballroom, which has more restrictions on it to keep it safer. I mean, in a so in a team event, which is what I did a lot of, you can do kind of whatever you want in terms of lifts or. Um, or tricks with your partner because you can plan how far away you're going to be from everybody. In couples events where you know each couple on the dance floor is competing individually, uh, lifts and tricks can be dangerous because you might hit somebody and you know the, you can't see behind you where lots of people are moving. So the rule in for competitive couples is that one foot has to be on the ground at all time. Nobody can jump. Nobody can be lifted. Um, or I think well. I think there are some jumps, some kicks, and some jumps you can do. You have to be able to see behind you, though, when you're doing it. So, anyway. Well, I think that we have a great idea now for a future Elders Quorum and maybe Relief Society joint activity. Uh, maybe, Daniel, if you're willing, you can teach us some moves, and, uh, you know, we can have some fun doing that. And if not, uh, you know, people, if they want to go out on a bike ride, it sounds like, you know, if you have the time, you're probably a pretty willing partner on that. And then... Uh, and then with reading as well. So just a really great set of interests and really looking forward to getting to know you uh, more over time and hopefully other members of our quorum uh, will as well. So mm -hmm. let's get moving. Let's uh, try some of these things out. Absolutely.